of the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Buck, and I'm here with the man who gave me the little puppy windscreen thing for the microphone that I've been using all year. I couldn't find one online, so I just took one from him. He is Jerry Jordan from KickingTheTires.net. Jerry, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Glad to help you out with the uh, windscreen there. Yeah, how often am I supposed to change this out? Because like people have been spitting into this and talking into this all year, and I haven't changed it out. You gave it to me at Las Vegas in March. I'll give you another one. I've got some more in the car. Wait, well, how often do you change yours out? About once every two months. Oh, so this is like germ-filled with all the driver spit on it all year? Probably so. But that's okay. But you don't stick it in your in the, you know in their mouth, and, and you don't take it to the bathroom with you. So, you know. How do you know? Well, you may. I don't, I don't. I actually leave my microphone, you know, outside on a table when I when I go to the uh, when I go to the to relieve myself. So outside on a table. Well, that, how do you know the table's not germ filled? Well, I don't. But you know, some germs are just a little less germy than others. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, and some some races are less a little bit less germy than others too. That was my awkward transition. But um, you know, this race today, I don't know where we how germy we would say. <laughs> That this race is Jerry, but uh, it was it was it was a Jeremy weekend. Um, you know, it was the last New Hampshire race ever, and and I think I was kind of hoping that the the nice people who are up here in New Hampshire, very nice people in New England, um, even to a Texan like yourself, I'm sure um, they they're very hospitable and, and they always are super pumped to have NASCAR here, but they just don't have great racing here for the most part. And it was, I don't know, it was just like the typical New Hampshire race today, I felt like. I mean, you have Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. combined to lead all but one lap. Uh, Kyle Larson led one lap, and it was um, when he crossed finish line first on pit road during pit stops uh, after the first stage. So it was just a, it was the Kyle Busch show and the Martin Truex Jr. show. And, uh, you know, it's pretty much going to be one of them gonna gonna win and that's what happened what did you think of the race you know uh, i'm I'll, as i told you before and i'm kind of pollyanna when it comes to racing i like racing no matter what uh it is uh sad to see the race here at new hampshire this is the last fall race that we're going to have here uh i talked to a bunch of fans last night and they were like they're not coming back they're not going to come to the other race that's in july or whatever it's too hot or whatever you know so so they're not going to come back to the july race or and they also are not interested in that new weekend thing that because New Hampshire this weekend announced uh, they're, they're going to have some September festival with like um, the Modifieds and K and N, and they're going to bring the Canadian series down here. But that you, the fans you talked to, were like, nah. Talked to a big group of fans that's been coming down here for years, camping in the campgrounds down just down from where I'm at, and they said absolutely not. They said it's just it's this is this was their weekend. The guy brings his entire company down here. They all bring campers, and uh, and this is this is their last race, and that's kind of sad to see. As far as the racing on the track today. Clint Boyer got out of the car and said said this it's kind of the same thing I think the same cars winning and I think that's a turnoff for fans as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. This is I think this has been a weird season for fans because you know to start out the year you didn't have Joe Gibbs racing very uh, winning at all. I mean until the middle of the season. So fans were like, "Oh, there's a lot of different people winning. Truex is having a good year, but a, a lot of other guys are winning too." Now that Joe Gibbs Racing has figured it out, it's just the overall Toyota show every week. And, of course, there are Toyota fans out there, but there's a lot of people who are Toyota haters. And so every week it seems like you're watching the same couple guys. It's, it's you know, it's Truex and Kyle Busch. Sometimes Kyle Larson gets up there. But for the most part, you have the top. There's four Toyotas that made the playoffs. 
and they are for the top six in points right now. So they're all having great playoffs so far. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's like this Toyota domination. And, and I think like you said, people are just like, all right, I, I've kind of seen this movie before. It was like when Jimmy was winning all the time. Well, when you're talking about, you know, who's at the front lately, we talk about obviously Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch, but as you, you know, when you look at the stats, Dale Jr. said last week, you know, if Kyle Larson wasn't the outlier, if he wasn't messing up the curve, Chevrolet, the bow tie camp could be sitting there saying, hey, we need help. This is, you know, Brad Keselowski's obviously set up for the Fords. And I know the Roush Yates engines are strong, but something's going on to where it, it definitely gives it the appearance that Toyota has an advantage over the rest of the field. Maybe Kyle Larson just is able to wheel a car regardless. Maybe he's the next Tony Stewart out there. Well, that's something because, I mean, you're right. It, without Kyle Larson, I think Dale Jr. said recently that, you know, he, he takes away the excuse for, for Chevy to complain about anything. Um, so, but here's the good news about this. Um, aside from just those two going for the championship, and they seem to be, you know, in both headed to Homestead, it seems like at this point, there is a good points battle shaping up for Dover. And we actually haven't seen a good points battle for a while because, the regular season championship was clinched at Darlington, so there was no points battle there. Richmond, there was no points on the line at all because it was just a win in your end situation. That it was such a blowout this year. So now um, NASCAR is heading to Dover, and it's it's pretty tight. Um, not only are only only four guys have clinched, four guys have clinched a spot, and those are um, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, and Brad Keselowski. Those are all mathematically in. Um, the, the, uh, Larson and Kozlowski haven't won a race, but they're in because they have such big points leads. There's uh, some other guys that are fairly safe, even all the way down to Kevin Harvick, who, despite his trouble at, at New Hampshire has a 25 point lead going or 25 point cushion, at least, um, Jamie McMurray has a nine point cushion, but then you get down to the last spot. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And Austin Dillon right now are tied for the last spot. And Ryan Newman is only one point behind them. So those three drivers, there's only one spot available, and tiebreaker, which this could come into play later. Um, tiebreaker is the best finish of the round, so um, that that could be that could be a very big thing. Now, Kurt Busch um, and Casey Kane they had trouble today, and it put them so far back that um, they are they are not in good shape at all. They, I mean, wouldn't you say they pretty much have to they pretty much have to win? Uh, yeah, I can't disagree, and I, I didn't get to talk to Kurt after uh, very long after he got out of the car and got, uh, left the care center. He's he's looking for a win. They had a strong car. They were trying to get it to the, to the break uh, to the second through the second stage so that they could get uh, going on the on the long run at the end of the, the race. Obviously, they hit their teammate uh, Kevin Spun in front of them. So you know they're frustrated. They're they're really upset. Casey Kane, man, I mean to win the to win at the Brickyard and then to come here. I think a lot of people didn't expect Casey to, to, to go very far. But I wouldn't have said that Casey would have been last coming in coming out of uh, New Hampshire as far as looking at the points. Yeah, and you know I talked to him after the race. He said, "Hey, look, we were going to run tenth to twelfth today, which would have been okay and kept us in the picture." And instead, where does he finish? Thirty uh, fifth, yes. right ahead of Harvick and Bush. So he he ends up finishing the race. Um, he wasn't. He, he ended up getting back on the track, but obviously not good enough. So you know Kurt probably um, as well or better than um, anybody else in the media. What do you? How do you think he's going to respond to this and and handle this this week? I wish I'd have texted him before I came in here to talk to you, but uh, I. I 
I think he'll handle his normal self. You know, they, they've known they've been behind the eight ball. Uh, they got off the season a great start, winning the Daytona 500. But then they lost – you know, that was that's a different track. That's a different race. So then they got into the real season, and they've lost the balance on the car. They can't they, – they're, they're loose in, tied off, and, and just trying to keep control of the car. And, and you know, he, he gets frustrated. You can listen to his radio. He did not get frustrated today until he kind of got in the wreck. Uh, he was pretty calm. They were working through – they were methodical working through the car and just like I said trying to get that long run because they had lots of long speed talk to Tony Gibson before the race same thing the, now Tony's going to tell me next week I'm going to show you I'm going to say hey do you have a car is it good is it bad he'll tell me if it's bad I have a feeling they're going to bring everything they can to get through uh, Dover Kurt's got a couple of wins there if, I, if I'm not mistaken I know he's got one uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure he has two in his career so he kind of knows how to get around the track so we'll see what they can bring yeah and it's interesting too I mean he is, let's see, uh, 17 points out. Am I doing that right? 17 points out, I think. Um, so it's not impossible. It would take three guys ahead of, ahead of him to have trouble. But it's also, I mean, you look at guys even up to where like Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney are. This sort of sets up for those guys still have to go out and execute. They can't have a situation where uh, they have a part failure or a blown tire and, and it ruins their day and they're done. Um, especially because I, and this is where this could come into play, which it it hasn't this year with the crash damage rule. I mean, like you look at the Harvick thing today and maybe he couldn't have got that car out no matter what, but at Dover, if these guys crash, they they can't go to the garage, fix it. And that's it. I mean, they are done and where there's going to be no, Oh, let's get it back out there for a couple more points and see if we can make it. I mean, that's it. So, uh, these guys are going to have, it's, they're going to have to be on the edge to go fast, but, um, it should be it should be fairly interesting. Um, now, one thing that that is also uh, some fallout from recently is, um, you know, speaking of Chase Elliott, there's there was almost like a Chase Elliott rule instituted this weekend, where after the race, because of what happened last week with Chase Elliott's crew guys getting in trouble for taking the tape off the car, and they found that they were they were using tape and they got a penalty for that. After the race, you and I were both out on pit road, and NASCAR put all the the playoff cars against the pit road wall. So let's, let's say you divide pit road up and in, into thirds, right? So you got the, the lane on the outside wall, there's the middle lane and then the basically where the pit stalls are. Usually the drivers come, they, they might pull two wide down pit road and they park them all there and they all get out of their car and you just walk up to whoever and the crew guys pour out on the pit road. They're around the cars. They're pushing the cars off pit road. They're helping NASCAR take whatever the tapered spacer off or whatever it is, you know? Well, this time, Nobody could go near the cars, not the driver's PR people, not the media crew guys. Certainly not. We were out there before the crew guys. And so that was a very interesting thing, but it was a little bit hard for us and challenging because the drivers got out of their cars and they just saw nobody standing there. We're like kind of waiting. We weren't, we weren't allowed to go past a certain point. So they just left some of them. Like, did you have that experience? I definitely had that experience. I was running around like a kind of with a chicken with my head cut off because I was trying to get drivers. Uh, it, for those that don't know, I, I run kicking the tires, but I'm also uh, the producer for PRN, and I, I do the post the 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 weekly uh, daily show. I'm sorry, I do it every week. The daily show with Mark Garrow, uh, Garage Pass, and also do AP the radio stuff for AP. So I was trying to get drivers for those shows 
Because you need the audio. Because I need the audio. And I'm like, where are the drivers? I, I went to go get Jimmy. He was gone. I went to go. You know, there were there were drivers that we normally, they would wait for you. Right. They were gone. They didn't see us and they left. They're not obligated to stay, but if they see us, they know us. We're here every week. They're like, oh, well, here, okay, these a couple guys are gathering around my car. These guys want to talk to us. The PR person usually is there by that time. They're like, hey, these, these guys are going to talk to you or whatever. But the PR person couldn't get there. We couldn't get there. And it was like marbles scattering. Like if somebody dropped a bunch of marbles and you're like, ah, it definitely was. And, you know, I, I think I ended up getting like four drivers, which will make it through Wednesday. Maybe if I'm lucky, uh, I'll have to pull some stuff out from other places. But, you know, I know that I'm small fry when it comes to what you need and what other people's need, because I may not need the same thing that you do. I definitely I know I don't. And, and so it, it's going to be bad for those of us if they continue this this practice if they don't refine it a little bit it's going to be bad for us going forward for the next eight races yeah so i was able to uh, first i went and got stenhouse but then everybody gathered around stenhouse because like that was the only driver that had been like wrangled so i was like all right well he's going to be on the the quote sheet that they give us when when the manufacturer like um, dan zacharias from ford the, what happens for you guys who don't know if there's a big group of media, you know, typically, and, and uh, each manufacturer has a person who will go around to the drivers after the race and they'll type up the quotes and pass out the sheet. So I saw him there. So I'm like, he's good. So let me go get somebody else. So I got Denny Hamlin real briefly. I got uh, Jamie McMurray to ask him why Clint Boyer was seemingly yelling into his car, but we were so far away that we couldn't see what was happening. I was trying to get my phone out. I think I saw I, you I, too. I, I, yeah. I've got it on video. Yeah, so, and, I've got, and I've got comments from Clint about what it was about. So I, I couldn't see exactly what was going on there. I'm like, well, you know, if there's a fight, we're not going to be able to see it. And, uh, you know, of course, I like the fight videos. Um, and then uh, I, I saw Dylan, Austin Dylan. He would, had kind of like made his way toward the garage through the pit road. And I'm like, well, I want to see what he says about, you know, the Dover situation. And, and did he make contact with Harvick? So I kind of ran after him. I ran back to pit road. And you're just like, ah, I mean, it's really it was really a scattered situation. So. Um, hopefully, hopefully that will get better. Now, one thing I also saw you out at this weekend was the dunce cap penalty. Um, Joey Logano sitting on pit road for uh, 50 minutes. Now, I, I think that this got a lot of attention for, for two reasons. Um, one was cause, cause drivers have, uh, oh, Jerry, show me some pictures right now. Oh, he Jerry okay so Jerry has a picture on his phone he he has the picture and it's actually a dunce cap uh drawn on top of the 22 car and it says my team made NASCAR mad yeah and I have not put this out there you're the first one to know about this other than than uh, uh Joey's PR guy and uh he was he had a few choice words for me but we're friends so it was a few funny choice words but uh that penalty to me i've never seen them do that before i think i think it's ridiculous I, i've never seen them miss an entire practice because right. like drivers have sat out there even up to 60 minutes but it's still for like an hour and a half practice so they still are strapped in the car ready to go with their race gear and then they go practice but to miss an entire practice while you're strapped in the car on pit road in your race gear it seemed a little bit silly well, I went out there and got the photo, and I was going to write. I'm probably going to write a column about it, and then I tweeted a, a different photo and said NASCAR makes an example of Joey Logano. Well, NASCAR didn't really like that tweet too much, and came and asked me about it and explained the rule. And I'm like, here's the rule: I've never seen you. It was a 50 minute practice. It's he's he's got 50 minutes worth of penalties. 
Why are you making him sit in there? And their take is, well, you're not really penalizing anybody if you don't make it because the driver, you know, he's part of the team. If he's in the motor coach in the air conditioner, it's not penalizing. Well, yes, it is because he's not out there practicing. You're making him sit in a 150-degree car. Joey asked me for water. I knew I couldn't get it to him. So I went looking for Kyle, his uh, his PR guy, and then his, his wife ended up going out there and doing some selfies and things. Now there's a rule. Another rule, I don't know if you know this, he moved the car away from the wall because – Apparently she was taking selfies and NASCAR didn't like that. Yeah, I noticed very late, you know, with about 10 minutes to go. I just heard this at the tweet up this morning because I think Rick Allen was was talking about it at the tweet up. Um, so Joey Logano, he, he parked right up against the wall. Uh, you know, you went over to talk to him. Brittany uh, came over to talk to him and gave him water and all this stuff. So a couple fans came up for fist pump. And, um, so with 10 minutes to go, all of a sudden he like backed up and like backed away from the wall. And I was like, what is he doing? But apparently it was cause NASCAR was like, no, you know, we're, we're, we're cutting off your visitation rights. Um, but you know, they, they, it, visits. <laughs> they, they put their hands up to each other. And I don't know if you guys saw it. You should go check out Joey Logano's tweet. If you haven't seen it, but Brittany took a picture of her hand on the window net with Joey's hand from the inside. Like they're in jail, but separated by the glass. It was pretty funny. And you had to laugh at it because it's just an absurd situation. I think there's some different solutions I could do. Number one, if you just are worried about the practice time, as you said, um, just have them not practice. You don't need to have the car, uh, the driver in the car. And I got a couple, uh, some feedback from people. I, I, somebody from actually a crew chief DM me and said, well, that's not fair because what would happen is the, the team could work on the car for 15 minutes. And that would be a big advantage if you gave them 15 minutes of time to work on the car. So I said, well, what if you just covered up the car and put it over by the NASCAR trailer or something? And he's like, yeah, that'd be fine. So, I mean, they just don't need to, they, you know, NASCAR is trying to build up the star power of, of its athletes. They're trying to say, wow, look at these guys. And then they're treating them like little school children saying, you go sit in a corner. I can tell you that I can't tell you what he said. I talked to Tony Stewart. So you can only imagine the words that came out of his mouth when he, because he hadn't seen it and hadn't heard about it. He was, he was at a, at a wedding yesterday. So when I told him, I told Tony about it before the race, he had some choice words about how stupid it was in his opinion. Oh my God. I, this is the time where you really would have wished Tony was still driving. Like he, you know, you think the lug nut rant that, that, you know, he, he would go off about this, that that would be spectacular. And can you imagine if he was still racing and had to serve one of these penalties? Um, I, I just can't imagine that that would be gold. I would, I would tune into his radio and just re hit record. That would be because, uh, hey, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was pretty open and about what he thought of it yesterday. And then you saw uh, uh, Kurt Colbert from NASCAR give him a response. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if his fans, if Dale Jr.'s fans are real happy with NASCAR over all this. Well, here's the thing. You know, um, Michael McDowell came to the tweet up this morning and you were there at that as well. You, I, every time, everything I'm mentioning, you were there this weekend. But so Michael McDowell was talking about how, listen, if his car sailed through inspection, and didn't have any problems, he'd say to his team, whoa, guys, like, what are we doing here? We're not, we're not getting the speed out of it. Like, I, I want you guys to be pushing it. He said, you know, he doesn't, he wouldn't mind a 15 minute, 30 minute practice penalty because then he knows that they're trying to get every single little thing they can. He would thank his team for that. So, you know, I think NASCAR had, had said, or put out there that, oh, we, we want the drivers to get so mad. They're going to go yell at the, at the teams for it. Well, Michael McDowell saying, I'm going to thank my team for it. Obviously, they, they, they don't want that to happen, but they've got to push as much as they can. Then NASCAR is tasked with enforcing these guys who are pushing every single little bit of the rule. 
So I feel bad for NASCAR in that they're trying to do their job. They're trying to be the enforcer, keep things fair. And, but, but what happens is when they have some of the rules that don't necessarily make sense or kind of look silly, it bounces back on them. And instead of getting mad at the team for breaking the rules, all the fans get mad at NASCAR. And I'm sure people at NASCAR are like, Oh my God, like, why are people getting mad at us? Get mad at the team, you know? Well, I think, and I, God, I'm going to, I'm going to cross this line. I rarely criticize NASCAR. I think NASCAR is a little disingenuous on one issue with when it comes to this inspection. And that is, okay. They say, well, the window is this big and the teams are, you're pushing the tolerances. The teams have to push the tolerances to get the speed out. Yeah. The window may be six feet wide, but they only have two inches that they can really work with to gather the speed that they, and it's actually smaller than that, obviously that they can work with to, uh, to, to get the speed they need to get on the car. Otherwise they're going to run 24th. So, you know, it's a little disingenuous to say, Oh, it's, they've got this much tolerance. Well, yes and no I, I get what they're saying the other thing is if you want to solve this problem with with uh with with tech inspection and teams cheating and you want parity in the sport this came from a team th that i talked to last week put big monitors out there just make everything open there is no more secrets under the car over the car in the car just put big cameras and tvs and let everybody watch and let everybody see it because then then everyone knows what people are doing and there's parity Maybe that should be a penalty. You, you know, for the, your 50-minute practice, you put your car in the middle of the garage and all the other teams can go under it and look exactly what you have. I bet that would cut it down pretty quick. I bet that's probably the best idea to come out of it so far. Yeah. yeah. Other than the other than the autograph thing that they came up with this, uh, this morning about if, if you get a 50-minute penalty, don't make them sit in the car. Set up a little area with a stool and make the drivers go sign autographs for fans. Yeah, Steve Letarte uh, had that idea. He said, sit, sit him right out in the hot sun right out there on pit road and all the fans can come up. But Logano said yesterday he actually would have done that. He would like to do something more productive with his time than just sit in the car. So, um, Jerry, now you are, um, you're, you're doing this thing you did last year. I think it was called chasing the chase this year. It's hashtag playoff pursuit. You are driving to all 10 chase races and not going home in between. Basically. Is that correct? That is true. So I drive to most races anyway. I've only flown to about three races this entire year. I've drone, dro driven to every other one. But for the final 10 races of the year, we started this last year called Chasing the Chase. And it kind of started on a bet and a dare. It didn't have a sponsor, didn't have the money, didn't have any. But I was able to put together where we go and camp with fans. And you can find me in the campground. You can follow me at jerryjordan underscore KTT or kickingthetires.net on, uh, on, online. So we will be giving stuff out, hanging out with fans. But we started it to just kind of have fun and to do some stuff. And we've picked up a couple sponsors. So it's really been kind of cool. So, um, you know, you have like a, a trailer that you attach to the back of your truck or something. Yeah. I have a, I have a Ford F-150 that I pull a, uh, about a 20 foot forest river wolf pup. You can't miss it. It's got big kicking the tires logo on the back, a couple shell logos. And, uh, and, and I'm going down the road when I leave here tomorrow, I will drive to Dover and I will set up and I will hang out with, with the fans as they come in earlier in the week and, and do, do things every, every day I'll be doing stuff. And I've got, you know, some tracks give me tickets to give away to different fans, to get people to go to the race. But the, the, it's, it's just a way for me to interact with fans and to, to meet the people that support our sport. And, and I'm really big on that because I've been in the sport for 15 years, but I still don't have the following that, that you do, Jeff. Um, it's just kind of, cause I was in for so long, I was the editor of a newspaper in Texas. So it's, it's just, that's, that's what I'm, I, I want to, I want to meet the people that make this sport possible. So, um, what are some of your biggest challenges getting, uh, 
back and forth to all these races or staying at the tracks. I mean, it can't be, you know, I don't know. Is it, are you getting comfortable sleeps every night? Like staying at these tracks? I mean, we, we work a lot on the race weekend and you're like kind of out there in noisy campgrounds or something. I have no problem sleeping anywhere. I can sleep in our media center, <laughs> but I mean, I have a, it has a queen size bed. It has bathroom, air conditioner, electricity, oh. satellite. I did it right. I mean, I, I, I didn't spend a ton of money. I did it as, I did it as economically and with as much sponsor money and trade as I could completely get out of it. But, uh, but it's, it's nice. You ought to actually, you ought to come hang out for a day or something and, and, and just chill out and, and relax and, and do something out at one of the tracks as we uh, go forward. Garrett Smithley's talking about riding with me from Dover back to charlotte really? yes well is it as germy as this microphone cover or is it is it clean dude i'm kind of a clean freak so i make oh. sure that like i have cleaning supplies and i i, I you know i wouldn't let anybody uh, like the, the water pump went out last week at chicago so uh kelly and i were taking showers somewhere else to get but i left chicago went to the manufacturer and had them work on my camper to fix it and they fixed it within an hour so uh so yeah i make sure everything's in, in top-notch working order Okay, so this microphone cover is still the germiest thing, then cleaner than your, uh, what whatever you call it, trailer thing that you're hauling to every single playoff race. So um, I know that you're based near Houston, and of course my uh, post race podcast sponsor, Samtech, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology, is in Houston, yay. and um, yay, yay for Houston. Um, I've been um, talking a lot. They they had wanted, they had asked me, you know. Um, with all the stuff that's gone down, gone on down there with the hurricane to, um, plug like the Houston food bank and the local charities and things like that, um, during the spot on their show. Um, now the school, the school is actually not damaged. It's up and running. So people are going there now. And this is the people that they, they go on to work for like NHRA teams, IndyCar, NASCAR, things like that. But you were actually stuck down in, um, near Houston where you live and you had to miss the Darlington race because all the roads were cut off. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience during the hurricane and what you saw and, and went through? Well, I can tell you, actually, what you saw in the national media, you saw a lot of a lot of Houston. And, and that's because they're a big city. But the, a lot of the smaller rural communities, I live in Lumberton, Texas, which is about 12 miles north of Beaumont. And, and Beaumont, I call home. Uh, but our community... There was 10 feet of water across every single major road coming out of our town. We were on an island. Beaumont actually was an island. There was 10 feet of water across Beaumont. There were white caps. Those were real photos of white caps across the interstate. I-10, right? I saw that photo. Interstate 10. Right. I didn't shoot that photo. I know, I know who did. But if you go to my, I have a news website. It's called setinvestigates.com. And it's a free site, but you can go there and I put up a hundred photos. I put up a hundred aerial photos to show the community uh, because none of the other, none of the other media was able to get up in the air. There were FAA restrictions and I have a friend that's a pilot and we were able to talk to the FAA and he got me up in the air and we were able to take aerials and put them out there so that our county commissioners and our, and our city people were able to actually look and see where some of the damage was. And those sites, those, uh, those photos are up online right now. And your your house uh, came out okay, relatively okay. I have a little damage. We we uh, have some have some water damage uh, to the front room, um, not from flooding, but from uh, we had some kind of a leak. And uh, the problem is our insurance company is Allstate, and they're fighting us on it, and that kind of sucks. But in the grand scheme of things, we'll we'll work it out. We'll work it out with them. Uh, there's people that 
I've got um, photos of, in, of their inside their houses. The water was up to the roof. I mean, you could, there was no place to be in the house on the first floor that you would not be underwater. You couldn't have, you couldn't have breathed with one inch of clearance from water from the very top of your ceiling. So imagine how much water, everything in there is ruined. Wow. That's terrible. Well, so obviously if, if you guys, obviously Florida got a lot of attention too, but um, if you're in the, in the charitable mood um, and, and you want to donate to a local charity down in, in Texas might even be better than, than the Red Cross situation. So um, I'll tell you, can I, I'll tell you this, the, the Red Cross has said they were going to, I don't want to bash anybody, but they, they haven't been as, as helpful as, as uh, they put on. Exactly. And that's yeah. why, that's why Sam tech contacted me. Cause you know, a lot of people were giving you the red cross and, and that's a, a good organization I'm sure at times, but it doesn't feel like they've, it doesn't seem from what the news organizations I've read that they've done enough. So if you can donate like directly to like the Houston food bank or a, I'm sure local charities in your area, that's more effective. Yeah. If you can find some of the local charities that are legit, just call the, call the, the, the city and they, they know who it is, but there, there, you know, there are lots of the Salvation Army. If you're going to give to a national charity, we're the first ones to help anybody in any part of Southeast Texas or Houston. They had people out on the streets saying, Hey, we'll bring you in, you know, we'll give you a place to stay. So if you're if you're just like on a national level and you want to do that, that's great. That would be a good one. But there's a lot of local charities that are really helping people and look to the rural communities because my community, we're, we're cut off from, from the rest of that, the conglomerates and the big cities. So, you know, there's a lot of people that lost everything and they, they have nothing and they're, they're trying to rebuild their lives. Wow. Well, uh, there's really no good transition for this, but, <laughs> um, wow, we can talk about, uh, Jerry just showed me a picture of, of terrible damage there. So yeah, this is like, uh, I have really no transition, Jerry, to get to the, was it a good race poll <laughs> back to the, f the fun stuff. It was, a, well, it wasn't a disaster. Like what happened in Texas and Florida. I don't know if it was that, but it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't quite that bad. All right. So if it wasn't, if it wasn't a, a, a hurricane like disaster, you know, I, what what do you think what people will say for the poll tomorrow? Because I, I'm very torn here. Um, New Hampshire polls have really not been good recently. Chicagoland race was one of the, I think, like the four or five worst or lowest races I've ever polled in the two years I've been doing this. So people were already not very um, in a great mood after Chicago and hoping for something better. I don't, I think this was better than Chicago, but. Uh, I don't know. I think people are probably, I think it's probably going to be less than 50%. Or Do you have a thought? I think probably, I, I wrote this down beforehand, 33%. 33% from Jerry Jordan. I'll go with maybe 40. I'll go with 40%. So probably people aren't going to love this. Hopefully Dover's a better race because I think NASCAR, NASCAR needs a good race right now. Um, Jerry, do you, do you have any idea for a hashtag where we could talk about uh, the, the podcast or people could tweet it and talk about it with us. I don't. Uh, i got to think of something, man. How about because we talked about germs and you are kicking the tires. How about kicking the germs? Kicking the germs. That's fine with me. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Kicking the germs. <laughs> okay. So if you want to talk about uh, talk about the podcast with us, tweet us at um, Jeff underscore Gluck and Jerry Jordan underscore KTT. Did I get that right? I did. And use the hashtag kicking with no G on the end, kicking the germs because his website is kicking the tires. So there's no G not kicking. Why no kicking? Because some jerk has the website kicking the tires and he wouldn't sell it to me. So, but, so this is a perfect time. I have trademarked kicking the tires. 
it is being trademarked as I speak. It's it was published for uh, for objection. So kicking the tires will be mine, and I will get my vengeance because I'm going to. Uh, I included kicking the tires, and I intend to serve him on it. <laughs> wow. Okay. So Jerry's playing hardball. He's going to get it back. So he, he, we may not be able to even tweet the uh, tweet the link. Sure you can. Sure. I, I'll give you permission. <laughs> well, Jerry, thanks for joining us, and thanks to all of you for listening. And I will talk to you again soon on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.